everywhere we turn, it's fear coming at us from from somewhere. And we, as as the Church of Jesus Christ, all those who are truly in Christ, we have to we have to battle the dark forces against that, against that spirit of fear. another beautiful day here on the Isle of Misfits. The sun is shining, light breeze is blowing, and we are approaching that ideal temperature of 72 degrees. Thank you very much, at least on the day that we're recording. And I bring all this up because, you know, there's something about all that 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 taps into a longing, I think, that all of us have for the world to be as it was meant to be, right? And And that's kind of what we're here to talk about today. Because I have on the line with me right now, oh yeah, I being Nancy Carmichael, your humble misfit host, I have someone who can help us sort through some of these tensions that exist between this longing that we have for that perfect world where everything is beautiful all the time and everyone's living in peace and harmony and the reality that it just ain't so. At least it doesn't seem that way right now. She is a New York Times bestselling author. She's a speaker at events like Women of Faith. She's a teacher with a passion for what the Bible has to say about things like the signs of the times. But I hear her favorite title of all is Mom, and we'll talk about that maybe, Um, which that alone, in my book anyway, qualifies her to speak on this subject. Her name is Donna Van Leer, and I should have asked you, am I getting that right, Donna? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Yes, <laughs> yes. interview 101. A lot of people do mispronounce that, but yes, correct. Don, oh, well, I am just so happy to have you here with us today, Donna. Welcome to the Isle of Misfits. Thank you, Nancy, and I love the name of your podcast. Oh, love I th- it. Boy, thank you. You know, I'm just, I'm saying, I I think a lot of people resonate with it because, you know, I consider myself the chief misfit, of course. Um, But but I think a lot of people, you know, maybe they're not full-time misfits, but there are moments in all of our lives when when we can feel like, hey, that's square peg syndrome. Right, right, absolutely. So we are just so grateful to have you hanging out with us here for a bit on the aisle. And, oh, yeah, I also hear that you're an animal lover, right? And a closet comedian. Well, <laughs> only only Wait. with my family. <laughs> okay, so I won't make you do a set right here, right now. All right, no, the pressure's right, right, off. Right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, and I also hear that you like to cook. I do, yes. All right, well, here's the deal then. I prepped you just a little, but not so much as to give it away. We have a tradition here in the aisle, and I like to get to know you a little bit and have our misfits get to know you. So we're going to do what we like to call a stupid game, and I've based your stupid game on your passion for cooking, if you are willing. Okay, Okay, so you're up for it. Okay, so this stupid game is basically called Culinary 101. So I'm going to give you a couple questions real easy. Real easy. I know you're going to get them. Um, and in fact, I'll give you multiple choice, and that's going to help you. But it'll only be two choices. So are you ready? Okay. She's ready. Okay. Question number one. If I was to brine something, what would I be doing? And I'll give you the choices if you want, just for fun. Would I, A, immerse it in salt water solution, or B, 
Whip it, whip it good. <laughs> that would be a salt water solution. <laughs> and that, that would, would be, be correct. Of course you knew that. Yes. So, it, yeah, otherwise it'd be breaking out. That's an old Devo song from the early 80s. That's okay. right. <laughs> All right, number two. I actually had to look up the pronunciation of this lest I mess up. What is Gruyere? Is it A, a popular show on the Food Channel, or B, a type of cheese? It is a type of cheese, and you know what? It's so good if you're making like an egg casserole or something, or an egg quiche, oh, it's really good, and I, and I use it all the time. <laughs> you know, and I, the irony is I discovered it on a cooking show with, I think, the Barefoot Contessa. She uh, she made, like, a homemade mac and cheese with Gruyere and probably three or four mm. other cheeses, but, yeah. Oh, you're right. You're not kidding. It's good stuff. Yeah, it is good. Okay. You ready for question three? Sure. What does it mean to blanch something or to blanch is it a to quickly boil and immerse in cold water or b to politely excuse yourself from the dinner table because <laughs> you have to blanch yeah, um, exactly yeah. Yeah. no that, that yes that is that is immerse that is number a you are correct uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. numero a number a in letter two okay in letter two okay <laughs> all right we're, we're coming in for a landing here question four mm-hmm. if I were to make a roux, what am I doing? Am I A, cursing the day I was born, or B, making a base for gravy? Yes, it's a nice little gravy base. Okay, of course you knew that because you have a passion for cooking. So here's a bonus question. (laughs) What is in that base? Well, it can be um, drippings. You can use drippings from something that you have, uh, like from some sort of meat and uh, water and flour, and it can be like some beef broth. It can be just a little uh, number of things. Well, I'm coming to your house. That's, that does it. <laughs> You're going to season it. <laughs> yeah, that was always a thing that intimidated me every Thanksgiving. Like I could do the whole meal, but I would panic when it came time to make the gravy. But you know, I think over the years, the panic has lessened. But I'm not saying the gravy's gotten better, but I'm just... Right. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Okay. Yeah, we live and we learn. All right. So, um, last question. This is just a free-for-all. Uh, what's your favorite thing to make? Uh, to make? Oh. I knew you were going to ask that. And I don't really think that I have yeah. a favorite because I okay. just kind of base it on, like, what my family wants. I'll say, okay, what do you want for dinner tonight? And, you know, I just kind of take suggestions, so... It's not that I have a favorite thing that I like to make. Maybe one day that'll happen. Right. <laughs> but now with a uh, house full of kids, I just kind of base it on um, what they're what they're wanting that night. Made to order. Oh, you are good. You're like, what do you want? Oh, right. Yeah, and I only yeah. go with one suggestion. I don't take okay. like all. <laughs> oh, not, all of so, it, but, okay. Yeah. So yeah. So it's not like uh, it's not like a short order cook. You are no. Yeah. No so way. The, still, yeah. So you're still you're still the the head chef in charge with the f- making the final decisions. But so no, well, how right. about yeah? If I were to ask them, did they like? Does your family, your children, your husband have a favorite thing? Yeah, I think so. I think they all have individual favorite things. Like somebody would say enchiladas, somebody would say spaghetti, somebody would say chicken fried rice. 
you, you, so it just varies. On, wow. So on you do it all. <laughs> yeah, you've covered the yeah you you you've covered the international uh, sphere of cooking. So, well, good for you. Well, you did excellent with our game. Congratulations. So now we know. Now we know that we definitely are all coming to your house for Thanksgiving. Yeah. So, sure. <laughs> so, as long as you pitch in and help, sure. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, we'll do our part. I do a mean dish, or at least I know how to rinse them before I put them in the dishwasher. Yes. So, all right. So all of that. She cooks. She she uh, she's a comedian for her family. We're not going to make her do it now. But um, all that, and she writes books. In fact, oh yeah, you wrote a book. That's why you're here. So that mm-hmm. may have something to do with our conversation and the topic at hand today. So let's talk about this book. Uh, the name is Ezekiel's Hope. So let's let's just start there. So tell tell us about why did you write this book. Well, the, the title, The Day of Ezekiel's Hope, actually actually comes from uh, the book of Ezekiel in the Bible, when it talks about what is called a Gog-Magog war that will come against Israel someday. And I say someday because it hasn't happened. There are things within, within Ezekiel 37, uh, I mean 38 and 39, that you see that clearly hasn't happened, because it talks about a coalition coming against Israel and God himself intervenes. There's fire, there's brimstone, there's an earthquake, plagues, uh, boils break out on the uh, people invading Israel, and that's never happened in history. So we know that is some sort of future event that will come against Israel, and God will intervene, and he will save Israel. So that's where the title came from. And it actually, the book actually starts with that invasion. So that's where the book starts, and then it just kind of moves on from there. And this is actually book two. The first book was called The Time of Jacob's Trouble, which leads up to that actual invasion against Israel. So this book kind of takes on from there, and then we meet several characters along the way. And I should say, Nancy, that this book is three-quarters fiction, And then the last one quarter of the book is biblical teaching about what the reader just read. So I never wanted the reader to get to the last page and say, oh, well, yeah, that was, uh, you know, it was interesting. It was an interesting story. What, what, What was that, science fiction? Was it fantasy? I don't know. What was it? But I wanted them to know, no, this is actually going to come straight from the Bible. So I take them into the Bible to show them where these things happen and how they will take place someday. Which is really helpful because, I, you know, I was thinking even before, you know, we, we started talking that, yeah, because um, I knew that, that you had set your book up that way. And like, oh, that's great because people who aren't, you know, maybe didn't go to church and aren't Christians, they're not going to really know the context of all this. But honestly, I think... Um, I don't know, not that I'm here to gauge the literacy of most of the church, but I I would venture to say probably a lot of uh, church-going people, a lot of Christians, don't really necessarily, don't have a great handle on all of this themselves. So that's really helpful. Yes, and you know, I've heard that from quite a few people who have emailed me, and I'm so grateful, Nancy, that I've heard from young people, because I really wanted um, millennials and those who are younger to get a hold of the book because that is those are two generations that haven't heard this material at all mostly within the church there are some churches who do still 
teach it, but for the most part, the American church has gotten away from from things of prophecy, from things of Christ's return. And I, I said earlier, I said that um, the book kind of shows how this will all play out. I, I need to clarify that because, of course, it's only conjecture. We don't know exactly even how that coalition, uh, what the world will look like when that coalition comes against Israel. So we can only surmise right. how things will play out in a fiction kind of way, but we do know from Scripture that that will happen. We do know from Scripture that there will be two witnesses in Jerusalem who are going to be preaching, and they are going to be telling people, you must repent of your sins and you know, claim Jesus as your Savior. We know that's going to happen. Everything else around it, of course, is is the story that I kind of created. But there are things that we mm-hmm. do know, and that's why I take people into that back of the book so that they can get into Scripture and really read it for themselves. Right, right, yeah. So you're setting, you know, you set up a potential scenario, right, of what the conditions might be like that would catalyze a one-world government, right, and the rise mm-hmm. of of uh, what what uh, Bible prophecy talks about as the Antichrist. So, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one of those one of those conditions, you know, like well disease, right, economic challenge, all the things that are just bearing down on the, um, not just the United States, but on the world is having ripple effects. And what would that look like? What would that look like if, you know, we already have coalitions, right? We have G7, we have, you know, all these, uh, you know, UN coalitions coming together. But what might that look like if there were, you know, it's hard to imagine even bigger world events than what we've been through right. this past year. Right. Um, but, and you know, and yeah. the coalition that does come against Israel, that coalition really has come into place within the last few years because Russia, Turkey, and Iran, they've had several meetings over the last several years where they are coming together and they're kind of working together. Uh, we see in northern Syria where uh where they're there together. Russia has troops there. Iran has troops there. Turkey has troops there. So that coalition is already forming. They're already coming together. And so they're going to be in place. They're going to be a cohesive bunch when that actual invasion takes place. So it's kind of interesting, Nancy, that all these things kind of happen behind the scenes we don't really see or hear much about it but every now and then you'll hear something in the news you'll hear oh the president of of russia is meeting with iran and turkey like hmm, well isn't that interesting (laughs) right yeah like little little items maybe on page six like oh you know things but yeah absolutely um so but even so even now we can sort of see like you say some of the foretellings of oh okay Pay attention to that. You know, keep that mm-hmm. one in the back of your mind when you see, you know, like you said, um, you know, Israel, if Israel's in the news, you should pay attention. What's going on? Yeah. I mean, you right. know, we just had a big election, right? A big change of leadership there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and even so, it's like, okay, but that's, you know, right now all this is happening, but we're we're doing okay. We're, you know, it's, we're, we're still getting back Hopefully, many of us are feeling like, you know, back to, you know, back to normal, back to status quo, back to, you know, where we just don't have to be facing some of these these scary scenarios. And yet, 
there are three things that I picked up on as I'm as I'm you know reading through your book, and I, I think these three themes are very much uh, resonating with many of us now. And those 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 three are peace, safety, and unity. Yes, and, and we hear it all yeah. the time, don't we? We do hear it all the time. I mean, right now, that those have been three huge themes, right, of this past year of dealing with the pandemic and our response and, and being safe and uh, being at peace with, you know, maybe that's been the third one on, on the list, but I think safety surely has been number one. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, and having a sense of, of peace, of getting along, and then this idea of unity. So I want to, um, I actually want to read a, a quote I I lifted a quote that just, it just kind of jumped out of the page. And I, w- I want to talk about this quote because I think it has to do with kind of what we're getting at. This was uh, your character, your Antichrist character. He's starting to rise up and he's, he's brokering this peace deal. So this is what he says. Citizens can no longer act individually, but as one. They can be, uh, there can be no world order, no peace if there are renegade nations waging war against other nations. We can no longer be against one another. We must be for one another. And I'm reading that quote for a reason because this this kind of elicits an automatic reaction. Like, And it could go one or two ways. Like the first is, well, of course, we all need to get along, right? We all need to look out for each other. Um, and th- But there's another reaction of bristling. I think some people, when they hear those those words right that we we can't think as individuals we have to think Mm -hmm. of the collective good um what's interesting is that the tone of many sermons i've been hearing within the church um not just this past year but really this past four or five years but especially this past year is to is a call to similar thinking that that is that it's not about you Right? Worship is not about you. Church is not about you. Your walk with God is not about you. And I get it, because that's true. But the tension, I, and I think there's, there's some confusion there between, all right, yeah, I, I'm hearing that as a Christian, but not everyone is coming from that worldview, right? And not everyone is tracking with this idea of yielding their individuality to a higher power, especially when that higher power is man-made. Right. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know if I've convoluted my own question, but but just this idea of of peace at all costs, unity at all costs. I wonder if we can spend some time talking about that because depending on what your worldview is, you see that very differently. Yes, and you know when you mentioned peace and safety, I even noted one time I was sitting at my mother's house and she had the TV on and a commercial commercial set came on and the first commercial said your peace and safety is our number one priority well then another commercial came on and it basically said the same thing we care about your safety and peace and and within that however long it was that two two minute commercial set i had heard the words peace and safety three separate times peace right. and safety peace and safety peace and safety mm-hmm. and first thessalonians Five three says, when people are saying peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them. And oh like you were saying, within this last, what, 18 months, that's all we keep hearing is peace and safety. You go into any store, 
you, your safety is our top priority here. You know, keep keep your distance, and everybody has to everybody has to be at peace. Everybody has to be at one. And the Bible warned us about these things coming. And you you mentioned earlier. You said. Um, uh, signs of the times, which Jesus talks about in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 and Luke 21. He tells his apostles what the signs of the times will be. And I encourage your listeners, go back, read all of Matthew 24. Look at all of those signs in there, and you will discover that we are living in a time of signs. <laughs> I mean, unprecedented signs. Not only are they happening, they're all happening at once. They are converging at once. When I was little, probably when you were little as well, Nancy, you know, a hurricane might happen. Well, maybe six, seven months later, you'd hear about something else happening. But now, it's every single day. And it's not only every day. It's it's every minute of the day we hear about something that is happening here in our country or around the world and we see those headlines people crying out for for peace they're crying out for safety you know we need somebody who's going to to lead us in this and all of that god warned us about he said now this is what's going to be happening and what's called the last days we've been in the last days since the church was formed at pentecost since jesus walked the earth those were the last days. So we've been in those last days. But he says, this is what's going to happen in the last days. Not only are, is it going to be happening, things are going to be happening faster and faster and faster and faster. And that's where we are now. But Jesus says, because we think, Nancy, we think, oh, this is so overwhelming. There's so many things happening at once. It feels like we're spiraling out of control. But Jesus said in Luke 21, when these things begin to happen, not when they happen, when they begin to happen, when we first start seeing those signs coming all together, when these things begin to happen, lift up your heads, look up, your redemption mm -hmm. is near. So I like to say, things aren't spiraling out of control, things are looking up. So we have to keep our heart adjusted uh, I always recommend turn off the news because, oh, my goodness, you, you are going to spiral down so quickly. Oh, you think? You, yeah, when you hear the news. I mean, you can catch some headlines online, and, and you're going to know how, how to pray. But we have to keep our, keep our hearts adjusted. We have to keep the mind of Christ and keep looking up and saying, okay, God told us this is going to happen. We have to hold our ground we have to be salt. If we lose our salt, the Bible says we lose. We lose our flavor. We're no good for anything but to be trampled down. So we can't get caught up in all of this. We still have to be salty. We have to keep looking up. We have to maintain our testimony. We have to be overcomers, and we have to keep pointing people to Jesus. Jesus even said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Is he going to find faith from his church, or is he going to find them crumpled up in a corner because they keep believing what the mainstream news says. He doesn't want to find us crumpled up in a corner. He wants to find us still feeding the homeless, still going overseas, uh, to reaching the least of these, still maintaining our saltiness on social media. I mean, enough of the fear-mongering on social media. 
spread spread salt spread the light of the gospel of jesus christ because we know we are in the last days we know things are looking up yeah so yeah okay i loved how you brought out that first thessalonians um and about peace and safety and then also about luke 21 that when these things begin to happen look up mm-hmm. look up and that seems so counterintuitive right because no mm-hmm. hunker down just keep your head low you know we we've had such an emphasis on on safety right stay away yes. from each other yes yeah yeah Right, and don't cause trouble because there's enough trouble out there, you know, so don't get in any conversations that could blow up, you know, so so kind of almost kind of a keep your head down and just mm-hmm. go about your business. But this idea of, no, you know what, look up, look up. There's hope. It's not, yeah, this is hard, and yeah, it is hard, and we wish it would go away, but... You know, that's that's not the promise that Jesus gave <laughs> no. us, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, and you, you mentioned know, earlier, too, people wanting things to return to normal. But we're beyond that. We're beyond that now. I mean, what, there is no truly normal again with the advent uh, of social media and technology that keeps uh, speeding us, just hurdle, hurtling us, you know, into the next second, the next minute, the next hour of the day. We are beyond normal now. So I, I, I heard uh, just a couple of years ago a, a man speaking that every time something new is introduced in technology, we have to figure out how to live with that. Mm. Normal is gone. We have to figure out how to live in this world that keeps hurtling us forward and we do that by staying in the word we do that by shutting off that distraction that poison that tox that those toxins that come through uh the tv that come through our phones uh telling us another narrative that is opposite of what god's word is telling us so we have to keep peace in our homes and by doing that, we have to stay in the Word. We have to stay on our knees. We have to stay before the throne. Keep our family before the throne and your church family and your neighbors. Just keep praying and lifting them up. Because, no, there is no normal anymore, but people do look to us as salt and light. And so we have to, ma- we have to maintain that. We have to maintain our testimony in a world that does feel like it's spiraling out of control, but our lives have to indicate, hey, things are actually looking up. So what's what's really fascinating to me is that this, uh, you know, beyond normal that we're, things are changing, and we're seeing it, so obviously this past year, the truth is we've never, like whatever normal is, the only the only thing that is normal is change. Everything is always changing, and I, I think that you know it's easy to miss that because there has been a certain sense of status quo. But what you're saying is very true. I think it's just been exacerbated because mm-hmm. of the the scale of it. Um, but this idea of keeping peace and shutting off the toxins, um, mm-hmm. you know, 
I, I'm just even now processing what that what that really means because you talked about turning off the news and maybe you know and and a lot of the media, which is actually the very source that's letting us know about all these things are going on. But at the same time, if we're paying too much attention to that, the advice that we're getting or our takeaway from it is, okay, I just can't deal with people. <laughs> I can't deal with people anymore. Mm-hmm. And our solution mm-hmm. is to take in these toxins and to do the very thing that would actually, or to not do the very thing that would actually bring life and hope, which is, as you said, to, um, you know, keeping peace is staying in the word, uh, staying on our knees, but also engaging with the world in a hopeful way like you said go on those trips help those people help your neighbors don't just hunker down in fear Mm -hmm. but we're called to offer this hope outside and not take our cues from it right because the bible says god has not given us the spirit of fear so we know that is an actual spirit nancy i mean the bible calls it spirit yeah. of fear <laughs> so yep. that is a, it's a thing and it has yeah. come upon the church in the last 18 months you know we've the churches in our area they made an announcement early in the year we're going to be closed the rest of the year why would you make that announcement so early in the why would you make that announcement in mm-hmm. march mm-hmm. of 2020 you're going to be closed for the rest of the year all that does is spread fear you know why why wouldn't you let things play out a little bit and then see how it goes but the church itself has given into the fear that that we have been sold just a couple of days ago a a notification from the weather channel popped up on my phone and it was all fear i couldn't believe it i actually showed it to a friend who was who was with me and she said Oh, my word, <laughs> the Weather Channel is promoting yeah. fear. And it had sure. nothing to do with weather, by the way. It was something else entirely. Um, but she sure. said everywhere we turn, everywhere we turn, it's fear coming at us from from somewhere. And we, as as the Church of Jesus Christ, all those who are truly in Christ, we have to... We have to battle the dark forces against that, against that spirit of fear, and and pray that we're going to be salt and light so that the spirit of life can cover us, so that the Holy Spirit can pour himself out on our, on our people here at Nancy, our young people, you know, for dreams and visions. And we need the Holy Spirit, not the spirit of fear that has crumpled us for these last many months. Yeah. Yeah, because... Uh Fear sells, right? And that's that's yeah. why I think we've seen so much of it. It's, it's been this massive, massive marketing campaign. Uh, I, 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 I would I would say it's rivaled any marketing campaign in the history of marketing ever. And it's all and, been and about you know fear. What? Um, it's just a small taste of yeah. what it's going to be yeah. in those final days of the earth. Just a small taste right now. Right. And and the thing is, I, I don't know, maybe it's the same thing that draws us to all the things that seem attractive. I don't know why we'd be attracted to fear, but I, it does appeal to something in us. But it doesn't, you know, it, it shuts out joy. It shuts out dreams. It shuts out vision. It shuts out mm-hmm. our life. But hope, mm-hmm. hope helps, right? So yeah. so um, it's it's a matter of what what are we going to, what are we going to choose? And we think... We think, oh, well, 
this is out of my hands. Like, I can't help what's going on in the world. I can't help what all these media campaigns are. And that's true. But we still get to choose, as you said, what we're exposing ourselves to. And that, that, mm-hmm. that takes a lot of intentionality. Because things, we're, we're bombarded with things without, it seems like without even choosing it in some respects. But in other respects, we do get to choose the things that we dwell on and the things that we intentionally expose ourselves to. Right. Right. And the Bible says, set your mind on things above. And we're being sold some goods right now. It's all propaganda. And it's a lot of misinformation and disinformation coming at us. But, you know, you just, you have to judge that by what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says that things are truly looking up right now. And he says that he is an ever-present help in our time of need. So he's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He, the Holy Spirit, is going to continue to guide us and lead us and like it says, we got every day. We have to learn how to live in, in the new normal because things come at us so fast. Well, the Lord will lead us through all of that as long as we keep trusting and obeying, walking in obedience, walking in faith with Him. And I can't em- emphasize enough: stay in the Word and stay in prayer because <laughs> that is um, that is the the most important thing in our lives. And in the day of Ezekiel's hope in the back of it, because you mentioned that Israel is in the news right now, and a big portion of this particular book does deal with the history of of Israel, not only biblically, but in historical facts about Israel that we don't know because we haven't been taught them. So there's a lot of great information in there, of, you know, for people who don't truly understand what's happening right now. Right. So even if you're just a lover of history, right, or just mm-hmm. understanding what what's going on in the world or what, you know, what led up to what's going on in the world or what could happen. So and that makes me think. So this is I'm going to I'm going to we're, we're going to come in for landing with this this one final question. And in a way, I think you've already answered it, but I'm going to ask it anyway, um, you know, because. All of this is so is so hopeful, yes, for, for the Christian who knows, hey, we need to be in the Word, we need to understand, we need to pray, we need to be seeking God and trusting and not being, uh, you know, led by fear. So for the Christian, that makes sense. Now, I know you're probably hoping that people who aren't Christians will be reading your book, right? Um, mm-hmm. And once they read it, I think they'll get, you know, I think they'll get the message, but to get them there, I think this this is what I'm wrestling with because you know we've been in some pretty intense times as we as we've been talking about the thought of it getting even worse and more intense <laughs> that's not an easy sell, and a lot mm-hmm. of people right now you know you think Hollywood like even though I think we've had all these dystopian uh movies i don't know I don't know if we're, what we're going to see coming in the future, but I think right people are wanting right now people are wanting to escape, I imagine. So why should they read your book? I, I, I always go back to the Bible is the only religious text in the world, either ancient or, or modern text, like modern text I would consider like the Book of Mormon and other things. It's the only religious text in the entire world where it has 500 so far, 500 fulfilled 
prophecies, things that were told back, you know, even two to 3,000 years ago, things that were told this is what's going to happen in the future. And those things happened. So far, 500 of them. And they have happened with 100% accuracy. It's the only religious text in the entire world to be able to do that. Others may claim, oh, we have something. Well, maybe maybe a prediction of some sort came true, maybe like 55% or something like that. The Bible, the only one, 100% accuracy. So there are there are prophecies yet to be fulfilled, and those, of course, relate to many things. We talked about the Gog and Magog War, that's still future, the return of Christ, which is still future, and all that around that. All those prophecies are yet to be fulfilled. And we know if 500 prophecies have already been fulfilled, 100% accuracy, we know that the future is going to be fulfilled with 100% accuracy. So I say, why wouldn't you want to read that book? <laughs> Why wouldn't you right. want if, yeah, to if, trust? If no other reason, curiosity, really? Hmm. So yeah. let's see. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So this has already happened 500 times. There are many things yet to happen. Maybe I should take a peek at this book and see, see what's coming, see how I am supposed to live. And God told us that from the very, very beginning. He told, Isaiah says, He told us the end from the beginning what things were coming. He told us that because he's a good God. He's a gracious God. He wanted us to know this is what it's going to look like in the end. This is how you're supposed to live. And as believers, Nancy, we're supposed to be spreading that word to the unbelievers around us that if you don't know Jesus, now is your time. Because the Bible says, if you declare with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. There, you can be in Christ if you don't know Jesus. You can be in Christ, and you can live with him forever. You can live for him right now. If you declare with your mouth and you believe in your heart, he's it. He is the only Lord. Jesus is Lord. If you believe that and declare it, then you, you can be with him. And you can take him at his word, because as you said, those 500 prophecies that were fulfilled at 100% accuracy, that he himself, he's not just a part of the word, he's not just a character in the story of the Bible, he is the word, right? We know this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So we have this accurate, faithful, dependable person of Jesus who embodies this word, who has been kind enough to give us a spoiler alert, right? Spoiler mm -hmm, alert, mm -hmm. I win. It all turns Huge out good. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, right. yeah, so, you know, it's like like watching that movie that you've seen, and you already know it's going to turn out good, but you watch it anyway, because there's that drama, and, and, and you know, so, yeah, this is, um, I think that's a, that is a great case that you make to, to pick this book up. Yeah, things are, are getting intense, and yeah, there is a part of all of us that just, just wants things to be A-OK -okay again. Um, but don't we want to be prepared? Don't we want to have that hope that will cause us to look up and not have to burrow down? Right, and live for Christ today and tell others about him in this crazy time. Yeah, it's crazy time, but have you heard about Jesus? Do you know about Jesus? You know, what a... What a great intro 
these days are a great intro to Jesus. Well, Donna, I'm so excited about this story and and what is what is just going to do for people that are really looking for hope. So uh, tell us, how can we find this book? It's, it's anywhere where you find or order books, um, whether that be Amazon or barnesandnoble.com, wherever, or, or the Barnes and Noble stores, wherever you go, just take a peek and see if they have. And like I said, the second one, The Day of Ezekiel's Hope, is book two, and the first one was called The Time of Jacob's Trouble, and there will be a third and final book out in March of 21. Okay. All right. So we'll be looking for that one. And uh, I would imagine they could probably also get some information and a whole lot of other cool stuff at your website. I was checking that out as well. Donna Oh, sure. Van sure. Leer, yeah, right? dot com. Okay, and we'll put that up in the show notes as well. Well, Donna, thank you so much for being here today. It really was so much fun talking to you. Well, thank you. I loved talking to your uh, fellow misfits, so <laughs> loved it. <laughs> well, I'll speak for them and let you know they loved you right back. So, all right, well, take care, and hopefully we can have you back to talk about your next book. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Thank you, Nancy. DonnaVanLeer.com Just in case you want to check her out That's D-O-N-N-A-V-A-N-L-I-E-R-E.com You can find her book The Day of Ezekiel's Hope there And really at all the places you'd like to get your books I just happened to look up ChristianBook.com And they've got a pretty good deal Right there, just saying And they didn't even pay me to plug them And speaking of plugs For more great conversations like this one I would love for you to visit me at isleofmisfits.com because no kidding, we may be a humble little community, but somehow we get some amazing guests and amazing conversations. So check us out because everything we do is just too good to keep to ourselves. So won't you help us spread our misfit mission of owning your awkward, loving your fellow misfit, and seeking beauty and truth in all the land. Every day, every hour, overwhelm me with your power, rearrange me here and now.